back to another episode of the North Bros Outdoors Podcast, episode 67. I am Nick Beto. And Brandon Wixell. And for the first time in a long time, it is just you and I in the studio. It has been a minute. <clears throat> Usually we've had all three or four mics occupied, sometimes even more than more than that in here. Uh, not much of an update from last weekend as we're kind of doing back-to-back episodes here again. Yep, double day. But that's okay. That makes it uh, not as big of a... Well, you got a pretty busy day. So we usually do these on Tuesdays. And next Tuesday you got a little couple things going on. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Well, actually, this will be Wednesday. So my birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday, Nick. Yay! Birthday to Nick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this one, it's mainly going to be Wixo, and I'm just going to be kind of here, just kind of hanging out and listening, keeping, me on track. Keep, keeping him on track. Uh, spoiler alert again, he is, Wixo is hosting episode 69. Why'd you, why'd you pick that one again? I thought it was a cool number. Yeah, just We also just found out that this, uh, that episode will likely be recorded while we're at the bachelor party, so good luck to me and to all of us to make it through that one. That's going to be interesting because there's going to be a handful of guys there and it's going to be a party. Yeah. The question is, do we do it in the evening where who knows what goes on? Or do we do it in the morning where we're all probably not feeling so well? I feel like it's got to be a morning. Otherwise, it may be. Well, either way, we're going to post it. But that there might be some things said. Yeah. That'll be a fun one because Jake Beauchamp will be back on. Uh, Jacob will be back on. Um There'll be a lot of guys that, that have been on in the past and maybe even a couple new ones that uh, make it on. Uh, maybe maybe that day we can get Austin Schmidt on his first podcast. I've been talking about him ever since this, this podcast first started. And uh, he'll be he'll be around for, for the episode 69, which is next week's episode. Fitting that's on your bachelor party weekend, huh? Yeah, that's funny. This is all just coming together. So I'll just... Uh, I'll just kind of shut up and get out of your way and, and let you kind of take it where you want to take it. So at the time that this will air, I will be three weeks out from a trip to Colorado, my second trip to Colorado on an elk hunt, two weeks until season opens. It opens right away in September. Rifle or bow? I will be uh, archery hunting again. We've done it. We did it last year. Last year was my first time. Um. You got to give your partner a, a shout out. Yep, James Erickson, which went, hopefully we'll get him on. Yep, and then Lance Lee went with last year. Uh, sounds like this year to be just me and James, possibly my wife Savannah. We'll we'll see how that goes. But a uh, little backstory: I have been hunting since I could get tags. Um, I, I do a lot lately. The last oh, what's it been? Six seven years. I've been going out to the Western North Dakota and the Badlands, uh, mule deer hunting. I still will whitetail hunt around here when I can, but I've found to uh, really like the spot and stock aspect of hunting with a bow or a rifle. So it kind of fitting that more Western hunts, I knew Western hunts were going to be in the future. It was just a matter of figuring out how to do it, being able to afford it, and, and kind of making that first leap of just going on your first trip. Uh, a lot of a lot of it came with YouTube. Everybody watches hunting videos. And seeing these guys going out there 
and hunting these huge animals in the mountains and then making a, my first trip to the mountains when we moved Savannah's mom. That's kind of the first time I've, I'd actually been in the mountains. And it's, I thought Western North Dakota was cool, but that's a, it's a totally different animal. I mean, you're playing a different game. One of the uh, one of the people that comes to mind, and ev- everybody, like Wixel said, you you've you know you watch YouTube and you you watch all these other hunting channels and stuff. But one of the thing, one of the people that comes to mind, to me anyway, is Clint Casper. Um, if nobody has heard Clint Casper, he is on the working class bow hunter team, and he has his own series on there, uh, CC Hunt Files. That guy goes all over the place. Colorado is one. He goes to Utah. He goes to Montana. He goes all over the place, and he's all all about the backpacking, and he uses the bow. And the, the stuff that that guy, you know, he's the first one that I ever heard talk about going out there, and the stuff that that guy has done and the way he tells his stories, it's I, I do not blame you one bit for getting the having the drive to, to go out there and try and, you know, go back into the back country and, and get her done. Yeah. Um, my first kind of step into the archery world was, uh, well, one of the reasons was it was really difficult. It was getting really difficult to get a rifle tag in North Dakota. And one of my best friends growing up would archery hunt and his grandfather would traditional archery hunt. And he had for years and some of the stories that he would tell us, and the places that he had gone and the animals that he was hunting, I mean, it was like, well, this is probably something I should give a shot. But as far as the uh, new school social media, what getting me into it would have been Cam Haynes. Very, uh, pretty similar story. Going on all kinds of crazy hunts. The fitness side of it, you know, putting in the work, not just shooting, but staying fit enough to actually get around out there and having been out there once i was not nearly in shape enough to do that so i've been trying to work on that this year not as well as i should have been but you know we're going either way so uh, almost everything that i've learned about it has been kind of as as far as the elk hunting has been fairly self-taught the internet trial and error uh, calling was the the before our first trip out there i was working in Barnesville, which was about a 30-minute drive to get to work, and I would practice elk calling in the car on the way to and from work every day for that half an hour. Windows down. I'm sure the couple people that I passed were kind of wondering what was going on, but, you know, sometimes you got to look a little dumb to go for what you're trying to do. But finally was able to commit last year. And took two guys with to make the trip. Uh, we learned learned a lot. Learned a lot about packing, what you need to bring, what you don't need to bring, uh, the level of fitness that's going to be required, uh, how to get the tag. I mean, everything. There's a lot of a lot of. It was a lot of time spent staring at Google Maps, Google Earth, and Onyx, trying to find where to go, some spots that we were looking for, different places to check out, where we were going to set up camp, where we'd maybe be able to find water. And this this trip, or last year's trip, we were we had a base camp. We brought a trailer with that we were staying at the trailer instead of packing in tents and everything. So we had 
whatever food we wanted. We had as much water was never an issue. Um, this year we are doing a backpack in, so we'll go in for probably three or four days with food and water and supplies, and then we'll come back out, reload, and go back in. So it'll be it'll be another learning experience this year. Um, at this time, I am, like I said, we're three weeks out, so a lot of it is shooting the bow, trying to stay in shape, and starting to get uh, the backpack all packed up, get all the gear laid out, start going through it, clothes, getting all your clothes washed, uh, setting up the tent, making sure the tent's been sprayed for waterproofing, making sure everything's still there, you got no holes, going through your first aid stuff, making sure that was all replenished from, you know, whatever you use it for. So, sorry, I'm just going to jump in here. So if you were to... If somebody were to ask you, you know, what what do you bring out there with you? If you're going to go in for four days, go through everything, what you're bringing for food, how you're cooking your food, how you're keeping your phone or your GPS, whatever you're using for mapping, charged. What 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 are you, what are you all bringing back there with you? And what is your, you know, say you say you you've got four days to hunt. You've got to have you got to set up you got to set aside time for packing out if you are successful, which is hopefully what's going to happen. So how does that work as far as how you lay out your schedule and then what do you bring in there with you? And what what you said earlier, you said, you know, well we learned what to bring, what not to bring. Kind of go through your pack setup, what you're running for a pack, how you're carrying your bow, what you're running for camo, kind of your whole get up when you leave the truck and you're out for 4 days. What are you bringing with you so you know and you, you know that you are going to be good for four days, nothing bad, you're prepared for every case scenario? Okay, well, a couple things right off the bat. You're never prepared for every scenario. I don't care who you are. I mean, okay, maybe somebody is, but 99% of us are not prepared for every scenario. So it's you know having the knowledge to be able to figure out what to do at least to keep you safe. Um the other thing, if you have a four-day, if I have a four-day trip, um, and I'm hunting to the last minute, and if I happen to get one on the last minute, my trip just got extended for the pack out. So, that is what it is. Um, one other side question before I forget: Are you carrying a? Say you encountered a mad grizzly or a, or a cat or something. Are you carrying a firearm with you? No, I brought one last year, and I never ended up actually bringing it with me. It's kind of. I don't know. I know some people do and some people don't. I, on the way out, I thought, yeah, I'm going to have this. And then when we left camp, I was just like, yep, definitely not carrying this with me. You just kind of get that, that weight thing. And it was, I don't know, just something that I was like, I don't need it. If something happens, I guess something happens. But we also had three people with us. So there's no grizzlies in Colorado unless you're, you know, one of those crazy mountain men. Um, black bears are generally more scared of you than, than they're going to attack you, at least at, in the fall, that time of year, especially if there's three of you. And I mean, if a cat's going to get you, a cat's going to get you either way, I think. So, uh, you know, what's funny about this part is I will watch hours of pack dump videos and gear videos. I like to see all the different stuff that people use, how they pack stuff. Uh, what they're bringing, what's new, what's maybe really old that guys are still using because it was the best 10 years ago and it still is today. 
but I'm also not very good at remembering exactly what my stuff is, so I'll do my best to give names and descriptions. But uh, for pack, I run a stone glacier, like the archer. See, this is where it's going to get rough. I believe it's it's roughly a 5,000 cubic inch bag. It's it's not their biggest one, but it's not a day pack. You'll be able to do three to five days pretty easily. Um, shelter, I have a stone glacier two-person shelter that's the ultra lightweight, uh, fits in the bag. Um, for sleeping system, my sleeping system, I have just a pretty cheap uh, blow-up single-person air mat that I bring. It folds up and it's about the size of my fist when I pack it. Uh, sleeping bag will be new this year. I have not picked one up. I don't really even have one in mind, but I'm thinking probably going to be a zero degree. It gets pretty cold at the top of the mountain. You know, when you're when you're at the bottom at, in an actual campsite, it's probably not that bad. You, you'd be able to get away with less. But when you get up on the top of the mountain, sometimes you have to set up where there's going to be a little bit of a wind exposure, you, you know, you got to be careful around some of those trees, especially if there's a lot of fallen trees around. I, I wouldn't set up camp there. So the sleeping bag will be will be new this year. Um, I bring a pillow. It's just a blow-up pillow that's even smaller than the air mattress. Food, I like to divvy my food out um, by the day. So I'll, I will put... All of the food that I will allot myself per day in gallon Ziploc baggies because I'm a snacker. So if I don't break that down, I will eat all of my snacks in the first day and have nothing left for the rest of the trip. So a lot of times it'll be uh, like a freeze-dried meal for supper. So I have a—I know I have a pretty hearty supper. If we have long trips, you're going to be hungry. Snacks, I stick with like the you know your beef jerkies uh, peanut butter sandwiches are good i like to use tortillas in place of bread because they're already flat you can put just about anything on it and then the i forget the name brand but they're like the little chicken and tuna packets of pre-seasoned meats um, i'll bring those they're they're kind of a good snack to have out there uh, obviously, any kind of protein bar, power bar, uh, those are all lightweight and good to bring in, packed with calories and and uh, stuff like that. You're probably not eating the most flavorful meals up there. That's that was one of my next questions. Are you are you running any of the the freeze dried meals like yep. the Mountain House or? Yep. So I I like the Mountain House chicken and dumplings. Otherwise, Peak Outdoors makes a bunch of very good meals. They're probably, so far, I haven't had all of them, but I've tried a few different types, and the Peak Outdoors have been my favorite, specifically the Chad Mendez lineup. There's a bison one, a venison one, and an elk one. Uh, those are all pretty good. I would say they're nines on the scale of freeze-dried meals. <clears throat> you know, they're... When you get when you're eating a freeze dried meal, that's don't expect five stars, but they're they're definitely gonna be filling. Uh, those don't taste terrible, and when you're hungry on the top of a mountain, about anything tastes good. 
Um, and then I will, a lot of times I'll bring something like, uh, I like to bring the peanut M&Ms because I have a couple sweet teeth and it's always nice to be able to have a snack that you're looking forward to. So, you know, so there's, there'll be times up there where you're, you're going hard, you're putting in a lot of miles and you know, you're hungry, but just eating doesn't sound good. So having something like a candy bar or some M&Ms or, or something, or if it's a, a not necessarily candy snack that you really enjoy, that's not going to melt in your bag, uh, pack that because anything is better than not eating. Um, along with that, I have a three liter water bladder that depending on where we're at, um, if I can find water, if, if I know we're camping near water, that I can get relatively clean water. I, I always have a water filter system in my bag. So if we needed to, we could fill that up, filter out our water and drink from clean rivers. I will go in with that empty just so I don't have the weight because water gets to be very heavy. And then I have a like liter, liter and a half Nalgene bottle that will be full. Um, that's what I, I don't go without it because you're always going to need to have at least some water on you. Um, small plastic water bottles are okay, but make sure you're getting something with a good cap because you don't want to be out wandering off and now you're away from your water source and you set your bag down and the cap pops off and now you don't have any water and now you're cutting your, you're cutting that day short to go get water. So are you are you bringing any sort of filtration device with you where if shit hit the fan and and you dumped your water out or you spilt you have trouble it? Listening while you're writing. Oh, did you just yeah. say that? Yeah, I always have. Even if <laughs> yeah, I know sorry. I won't need it, I still have one with me. I'm I'm, it, I'm over here doing like other stuff while Wix was talking, and I, yeah. I must sorry about that. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah. So the the system that I have, I have my. Water bladder, which is the clear plastic one, comes in most things. And then I have their, I want to say it's Sawyer branded. It's uh, their little plastic bags that can come in various sizes. And the cap you screw on is a is the filter system. And then it's got a spout similar to like a, the Gatorade sports water bottle things where you just kind of pull it up and then it'll spray. So you can drink right out of that you can use that to pour into your bladder or uh, use it to pour into whatever cooking system that you have so I'll, I'll always have that i i tend to bring that even on like day trips because it's it's just always in the lid of my pack and you know you never know if you set your bag down and your water spills out and you're three miles in now you don't have to go back you can just find a water source it does not, however, make the water taste better. So finding the cleanest possible water is always the best source. So what do you bring in for, say, something on your person? Do you have a knife or something to where if something were to happen where you lose your pack or it falls down the falls down a cliff or something that outrageously should never happen, or, or is maybe this something that would never happen, or is it like are you uh, i mean it could anything could happen you have you ever thought about that before i i have my my phone tends to stay in my pocket so i and i so going a little bit ahead i will download on onyx 
um, everywhere, especially when I'm on a trip like this, like Western North Dakota, not quite as important. When I'm going to Colorado, I will download everywhere that I could possibly be so that I always have at least a baseline of where I'm at. You should definitely know, you know, don't always rely on that. Be able to, you should try, try your best to be able to know like this direction is the vehicle. So if I walk this way, eventually I'll get to the vehicle. Maybe you get cliffed out and you have to go the long way, but you, you at least know the direction you need to be going. Cause I mean, if you get turned around out there, it can be miles in some of those places before you hit anything. Um, that's, that's about the only thing that I keep on my person. Usually my knives are in my bag. Um, most of the time, if we're hunting, I try to keep my bow in my hand so uh, I'm ready for everything. But if that's it's that's strapped to my back, I, I usually don't carry anything in my pocket. Sometimes I'll have a bag of like jerky in my pocket or snacks that I can eat on the trail. But no, as far as stuff like that, it's usually all in my bag. Um, so back to the food system, I carry a jet boil. That's about the only thing that I'll have to cook with. So freeze dried meals, um, I'll cook them in those. I don't usually, that's about the only thing I ever bring with that I have to cook. Otherwise it's all already made and stuff like that. Sometimes I'll heat up the like packets of uh, pre-made chicken things, but a lot of times that's just a quick off the trail snack. I don't usually eat a lot while I'm going and I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I just, it's one of those things where you're, you're doing something, you're not really thinking about it. Are you bringing like a, cause I know I run a, a jet boil for ice fishing and my igniter quit working. Do you? Mine doesn't even have an igniter. Oh, I, okay. I have a lighter that, so there's a, like a little, I don't know if it was made for this or not, but there's a little piece of fabric on there that holds the a lighter like a little bit lighter perfectly. So I have one on there and I have one in my bag. So I always have two lighters with me. That was my question is and if you I had always, a... always make sure that they have fluid in them before I leave. That was, that was my question is if you had a backup plan where if one of your lighters yep, got I, wet or something happened, I, have, I do have a second lighter. Um, I've been thinking about getting one of those like electric ones, but I don't know for now. It'll just, it is what it is. Um, as far as so that's that'll cover pack, uh, sleep system. What are you running for clothes, for boots? For boots. Boots so and clothes. We'll do clothing. Boots. I have a pair of Kenetrex. Um, they are more of a stiffer soled boot for uneven terrain. Um, I had always run like the hundred dollar boots, thinking that boots are boots. And then these were probably 350 and they are there. There's definitely a difference. You know, when people say get good boots, it, it definitely means something. And the, the more uneven, the more steep that you're going or loose terrain you're going to, the more you can tell that difference. Um, what would you say the most common type? Now, this is a question coming from a guy that's never been out there. I would like to go with you within the next couple of years. I would like to, whether I'm hunting or not, I just want to go out there with you. But uh, what is the most common terrain that you are? Granted, you're going to run into all of it. But what is the most common? Like, are you dealing with, with rocks and, like, um, steep terrain? Or is it a lot of... The most common, I would say, would be steep 
vegetated terrain. It's those mountains are covered in trees. It's not usually until unless you run into a rock slide. It's not usually until you get pretty high up that you're dealing with rocks. Um, so it's it's going to be a lot of fallen trees, a lot of brush, bushes, branches, stuff like that. So having stiff soled boots so your feet aren't constantly flexing around all these uh, things, it, it takes out the foot fatigue a lot. Um, socks, I always get, I always wear a nice pair of wool socks. Uh, there's nothing worse than having super wet socks that are soaking everything in. They won't dry out. And I always have at least two or three pairs. So I'm rotating because my, the, currently the boots I have are 400 grains insulated, which you definitely do not need in September. But like I said, they're expensive boots. So I'm not going to go buy four pairs of boots, but uh, <laughs> for the, yeah. for the different, different months that you're out there, the, the different seasons. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll wear a few different socks and I, um, they're the they're like tough tough something. See, this is where I'm bad at names, but I know they're they're tough somethings. And I'll have a few different pairs so I can just rotate them. Like I'll go half a day, and when my feet I feel my feet start to slipping, I'll take five minutes, take my boots off, take my socks off, let my feet dry out, let my boots dry out a little bit, and then I'll put new socks on so I'm not getting any hot spots. That's another thing that I have is like uh, new skin or band-aids or anything. If you start to feel a blister coming on, stop and put something on it well before because the worst thing you're going to have up there is blisters all over your feet. So are you – this is – I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you asking all sorts of random questions. Are you bringing anything with you for a case like that where your feet are going to start getting hot spots or, or say you fall, like you mentioned a first aid kit. Yep. What is in, and maybe you're going to get to that. If you're going to get to that, just keep going where you are. But, um, no, the first aid kit that I have, it's pretty basic. I mean, basically whatever you'd buy off of a shelf at Walmart or Shields, it's going to have band-aids. Um, I put a lot of times they don't have it. So I'll put in, uh, I use new skin, it's like a synthetic skin, basically. It's just kind of, kind of like similar to a Band-Aid, but um, sticks a little better, and it's a little bit more padded, so that'll help. If you feel a blister coming on, you can put that on, and it'll keep it because my feet get pretty blistered. Uh, I'll bring ibuprofen. Um, then there's gauze and patches and different stuff like that, athletic tapes in there. You can use the tape up. It's not... It's not crazy. I could definitely add to it. Uh, a tourniquet would be something that probably should go in there, being we're running around the mountains with sharp, pointy sticks. Um, knives. I mean, you never know when you, you if you're boning out an animal and you your knife slips on a bone and you stab your hand or cut a finger or something. It's you're gonna need you're gonna need something. So that's why I always have the first aid kit. But like it's like I said, it's pretty basic at the moment. So I probably should have started with this question, but what sparked your interest? I know we kind of touched on YouTube, but what kind of sparked your interest of going out there? And what did you, what did you see when you were out there that you, I'm, I'm assuming that it was not a, yeah, I don't know. I might go back someday. It was a, yeah, I, it was, I'll be I, back. I will be doing this again. So what, what made you, what made you make up your mind on that? Um, the going out there, it was a combination of hunting out, 
in the Badlands, in that terrain, in the spot and stock, like I knew I wanted to go bigger, and then I knew it was elk because of the videos. Of, I mean, we've all seen a video of a screaming elk, and I was like, I gotta, that's something I gotta do. And uh, the gonna do this forever thing came when you heard him actually scream, and you're, it's just, you know, it's the only, it's the only animal that I'm that I've ever hunted that's gonna do that. So to be able to actually hear that out there and it's it's really what we were going for last year's success was to see an elk and hear one scream and that was accomplished we had a spike come into 10 yards so that that pretty much sealed the deal for doing this continuing to do this um back to the pack clothes most of my stuff is sitka uh, I run the Apex pants, which are uh, have the knee pads. They're the lightweight breathables. Uh, in September, that's the only pants. I'll bring one pair of pants. So it's funny you say Sitka. I'm going to call out Jacob right here. So he, he reaches out to me the other day, and he's like, hey, what, uh, what would you say if I w- said I wanted some Sitka? And I said, well, you're, a, you're an engineer, pretty boy. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Just kidding, Jake. And are you gonna listen to this? I love you, buddy. But I was like, Nah, try it out, man. Like, if you can swing it, do it. And he he's got it. He hasn't used it yet. But in my opinion, Sitka is it's overpriced for it's, sure. It's way overpriced. But if you can afford it, why not? I'm not gonna say I can afford it. It's <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell you that it's overpriced. But so what, what pattern did you go with? Um, it's their what, the Alpine, the green, more of a green colors. Um, I don't think color, I think color is to sell the hunter more than it is to sell the animal. Sure. But that was just what I, what my first couple pieces were. So I got that. And I'm jumping all over here. Uh, your bow, as far as what you're shooting for arrows, lighted knocks, broadheads. Do you switch that up? For, or do you, when you sight in in the summer, are you sighting in with your arrows that you're going to use for mule deer, whitetail, yes. and elk? Yep. You're not changing. Nope. So what are you running for arrows and uh, <clears throat> broadheads? A Hoyt RX1, 70 pounds that I'll be using again this year. Uh, I will be shooting VAP TKO arrows. They're a four millimeter arrow. Um, I'm playing around with three and four fletched veins of a couple different sizes and and styles and lengths and all that uh i do not currently have lighted knocks from all the reviews the four millimeter arrow lighted knocks are the quality's not quite there yet being the size they break pretty easily and they're not cheap and then uh, broadheads i always have and i will always have the muzzy trocar three blades for fixed and then I play around a little bit with um, different mechanicals. I'm not going to be able to remember now offhand what I had last year, but um, I'm I would be pretty confident in saying that I will be going elk hunting with all fixed blades this year. Uh, however, I did get my arrow sighted in to where I could shoot fixed or mechanical, and it was hitting the same spot, so it didn't matter what I shot. For mule deer, I'll probably go back to the mechanicals. I'll have to look and see what those were for the name brand, but um, I had a little, I had pretty good luck with them. 
and they, they flew well. They seemed to open every time I shot them in practice. I never had any issues with that. So, uh, I, I, so we kind of went through, we've gone through so far, we've gone through what food you're bringing, what camo you're rocking, what, uh, what your bow setup is, your arrows. I can go a little bit more on the clothing or finish the rest of it. Yeah. Um, sorry. Like I interrupted you again there. Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of asking questions as they pop that's, into my that's head. Fine. I can go back. That's the one thing I can remember is where I where I started. <laughs> um, so I touched on pants. I'll have the Apex pants. Uh, I do have the Timberlines, which have the knee pads as well as the waterproof knees and butt. They're a little bit more, they're a little bit warmer than I would need. I I won't. I'll bring them, but they probably won't leave the truck. Um, as far as shirts, I have the Apex lightweight hoodie that's basically my base layer i'll wear the base layer pants i forget what the name of the base layer they're like the long spandex pants i'll wear those too to kind of moisture wick all the water away what does the temperature get down to that time of year out there if you're up in the higher elevation it can be in the 30s i mean it can get pretty cold at night um as far as tops like i said the apex hoodie they're lightweight base layer hoodie and then I will bring the, um, what's the name of the sweater? The Fanatic sweater. I have a Fanatic sweater that always comes with me. That was my guess was Fanatic. Yep. Was that, is that what it is? Yep. It's their whitetail. That was the first piece of Sitka that I got. And I love that thing. So that'll come with me. That'll be like my warm layer. And then as far as jackets, I have the Jetstream and I have a uh, Sitka puffy jacket that I won't remember the name of either. Um, depending on what the weather's looking like if it's calling for rain i'll bring the jet stream because that's a bit more water resistant if it's not i will bring the puffy because it's just as warm but lighter quieter and more packable and then as far as rain gear i have just like the frog tog cheap stuff pants and a jacket i don't i have not spent money on rain gear so is that kind of similar um the only sim even relatively close experience that I have to going out into the mountains in Colorado would be the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming. And we went out there four-wheeling. We weren't hunting or anything, so it was pretty easy for us to bring whatever we wanted to bring, you know, yeah. pack it on the side-by-sides. But when you get up to, it seems like seven, 8,000 feet, every time it rains, it hails. Is that the case? No, we didn't have that. We definitely, so we start our, our base or... Um, the campsite that we park at and go from, I believe, is at eight or 9,000 feet already, and we're hunting nine to 11,000 feet, I'd, I'd say. Um, I, we never got hailed on while we were there, but it, it definitely, you can see the clouds roll in, it'll rain on you, and then the clouds will roll right out. So you, like you, a lot of times you can see the weather coming, you can kind of hunker down and prepare for it. I've also heard that lightning is a big... Yes. So what do you what do you do? Say you're you're out on a you're out on a stock, um, and you're let I'm gonna just give you a scenario. Say you're at you're at 9,300 feet, and all of a sudden out of nowhere you see clouds rolling in, and it's a it's a thunderstorm. Are you going back down, or are you trying to find cover? It it'll depend on a few things. So at 9,300 feet, I'm probably not very far. I'm not very far elevation wise, you know, I could be miles away, but 
Um, if I'm close, I may head back. If the storm looks like it's going to be really bad, I'll head back. So one of the other things that we're looking at getting this year is like a Garmin inReach so we can find the weather or at least be able to get a hold of somebody to tell us what the weather is going to be in our location, which would be another safety tip is always have somebody know where you are. So like last year when we went out, um, everybody exchanged significant others' phone numbers. If something were to happen, we could get a hold of anybody. And somebody always knew where we were. If we move locations, there was a message sent out like, hey, we're going to be over here. And it's a pretty broad range. It's like this general area, this mountain. But at least they'll know, you know, somewhat this is where we were. So you'd be able to hopefully look for the truck or whatever. But Give a, give a starting point if, yeah. if, if it were yeah, to come to that. Yeah. I forget you. Oh, yeah. So... If I'm, if I'm far away from the truck, it's going to be looking for shelter. Find big, sturdy trees in areas that don't have a bunch of already fallen trees. Trees, they tend, you know, they can fall anywhere, but you can definitely tell the areas. Like, there'll be hundreds of trees laying on the ground. That's not a good area to try to hunker down in because odds are more of them are coming down so you're going to want to find somewhere that's got a lot of standing trees thick trees and and take cover there Uh, maybe if you have time set up your tent so you don't get everything wet or get your bag covered a lot of times some of these bags will come with like a rain cover if you don't a garbage bag works very well and it packs down into nothing you could use it as a poncho so i usually will have a garbage bag or two in my bag also They also make good, you can cut them open and use it to lay your meat on if you were to get something. You talking like Glad or (laughs) what brand are you going with? Unscented. Unscented. Glad's got to make some unscented. Probably, but I'll (laughs) usually bring contractor bags because they also make uh, waders in a pinch. If you need to cross a river, you can tie them up or hold them up and use that. So a couple of garbage bags. Um, All right, we're we're at the point now where you got to give the tip of the week, and you've given probably five or ten of them. <laughs> with the most important, I got a, one. I got a good one for the end though. I got a different one that I I had that one. You want to you want to do the tip of the week at the end? Yeah. I All right. I've got one picked out. There'll be a few in there between, but I got your tip of the week. We'll, we'll save that one. Um, if I'm high, if we're high on the mountain towards the top, yeah. If we're towards the top of the mountain, maybe above tree line, I'm heading back down for at least for tree line because you don't want to be, you know, the lower you the lower you are, the safer you usually are. There's definitely some spots, you know, where you don't want to get caught in when a storm rolls in. Like I said, luckily, especially when you're up that high and in those mountains, you can a lot of times see and feel the storms coming, and they're usually pretty quick. But I'm looking for sturdy trees in areas that don't have a bunch of blowdown. Or if I'm close to the truck and I, and it looks like it's going to be a big nasty storm, well, you know, safety is, safety is always more important. You can, you can go out and hunt elk another day if you're still alive. But if you get caught in some of those nasty storms, it might be the last trip you ever make. So, um, what else do I have in my pack? How, so, on you've been out there more than than anybody that i actually know personally i've been uh, i've been elk hunting once but it's very it's it's similar my gear is actually almost the same as mule deer hunting but i'm uh, talking just like when you've been out there how many times hunting not hunting just going out there 
to the oh to, to Colorado the, or yeah, mountains up to the mountains. How often, on average, if you would pick seven days, a Sunday to a Sunday, and I know this is this is kind of a stupid question. How many days out of a Sunday to a Sunday do you have storms that just pop up? If you were to put an average number on it, I'm not going to hold you to it because this is, you can't predict the weather, but. I would say one. I mean, at least one a week? Yeah. At least one a week. Um, the, the, well, any, any mountain range, the weather seems to change. So the, there's been times where we'll be sitting on a mountain in the sun and I can see that it's raining on the next peak over. Like it, they just, they're little clouds that pop up. So it's the, the odds of it raining close to you while you're out there are very high, but the odds of you actually getting rained on are usually less. And are you, have you ever been out there late enough to where you run into snow or when actually another, again, I'm just barging in with these questions. Are there snow caps up there when you're out there? Yeah, they're usually small patches, very high above the tree lines do you ever uh, i've never hunted in them i've seen like mountain goats in them through glass and stuff though so that's pretty cool but uh no they're i don't we have i guess i shouldn't say that we have had to cross like snow shoots to keep going um the biggest best thing to do there is kick your feet in dig in and don't slide um as far as where we're find, where we've been finding, or where we found the elk, the one time we went, snow wasn't really an issue. It was more so down in the trees, um, in the brush, stuff like that. We'll find them in the meadows in the mornings and the evenings, and then try to find them when they, or try to see where they go after that, or we'll set up on that meadow for the next day, depending on uh, kind of what we're, what our game plan is, what we're seeing, and where we're at in our trip. So does that kind of wrap up the? the gear portion of okay yeah. what one more that i'd like you to kind of pinpoint what are you bringing for lights like are you bringing um, a high powered flashlight if for some reason you had to try and no i've got a pretty pretty good headlamp and i'll usually throw in like a not as good backup headlamp um i will have two usually two knives and um a little saw i, I have a uh, the replaceable blade knives for cleaning that came with like the little uh, four inch saw. And then I have just a, a folding heavy duty knife for cutting wood string, you know, whatever, whatever you might need a knife for using it as a pry bar. Um, a lot of times I will bring the, especially on a trip like that, like the two or three Allen keys that, go to most of the parts on my bow if something were to get loose that's a good idea um i will keep a couple of i'll keep a like a field that's not a field point it's like a judo point in my bag so for something were to get knocked off or i wanted to just re I drop my bow and i wanted to make sure that it's still on i can shoot that at a stump or a rock or something and you know if i had to i bring i bring enough stuff that if i had to sight in up there short of sight tapes i could do that or at the very least i could set myself like a 30 yard uh set it where i'm on at 30 and then kind of be able to shoot my 20 to 40 until we got back and i could figure something else out i will have sight tapes usually in the truck because if they get wet they're kind of wrecked 
Um, I bring a solar phone charger. Uh, hopefully we can get the Garmin inReach this year. Some, it's basically hooks up to your phone so you can send text messages and check the weather on some of them. Um, maybe if I'm not packing heavy, maybe a deck of cards, but I usually won't do that. Uh, toothbrush. I probably, I usually don't bring deodorant, so sorry if you're with me or you smell me. <laughs> um, I have string and a carabiner. If I were to need that for string some, or paracord, yeah, like paracord, I was gonna say Papa Josh would be very disappointed if you had string and floss. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah I, I'll usually have a, a length of paracord and a carabiner. Makes for a good clothesline if you get wet, caught in one of those storms. I mean, you, it could be used for a million things. So you bring a tarp for nope. your tent? Nope, no tarp. Well, my tent comes with a rain cover if that's what you're asking but no tarp like like if you were to say you were to get caught in a storm could you run a string line or your paracord line out and put a tarp over it nope so what are you putting over the clothesline well if i'm putting the clothesline out it's not raining anymore you wouldn't do that for a for a cover aspect no gotcha if i could i'll set up my tent and i'll hunker down in that um if not i guess you're gonna be a little wet that's kind of where the Spending as much money on the camel and the clothes as you do is it tends to dry pretty quickly. You um, get what you pay for. Yeah. So one trick that I found on those cold nights, if your sleeping bag is not there, take a Nalgene bottle. This is another reason I always have a Nalgene bottle. I don't know brand specific if it matters, but that's what everybody said. I'll boil water in my jet boil and I'll shove it into the bottom of my sleeping bag. I thought you were like going to say you're going to you're going to piss in it. Nope. No. Don't don't pee in your bottle. That's not sanitary. <laughs> um, boil water and put it in your Nalgene straight out of your jet boil and then throw it in the bottom of your sleeping bag and it's like a little heater. Do not go to bed wet and don't go to bed cold. So if you have to do some push-ups, this is obviously for the cold nights if it's a 65 70 degree night you're gonna sleep like a baby no matter what you probably don't have to do push-ups probably if it's not, 70 degrees but, um if it's you know on some of those colder nights don't be wearing wet clothes to bed get if you can hang your clothes like hang it on your tent poles stuff like that so it, it can get airflow around it a lot of times in your tents um your body heat will kind of help dry your stuff out and then uh yeah it's basically just don't get into bed. Don't go into your sleeping bag cold or wet because you will have a very time, hard time warming back up. So I know this is very situational, but say you were, say you were out and you were on a spot where you had, you could go over one side of the cliff and you'd be glassing, looking at one spot. You go over the other side of the cliff and you're going to go over another spot. But each side of the cliff is a full day. Uh, are you? When you set up camp, are you leaving camp and coming back to it, or are you packing in and out every single time? I know that's situational, but... Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, if we'll say we go we go up the trail, we pop off the trail, find a lot of times with maps, I will try to have uh, locations picked that I think will be good glassing areas to see big areas. And in, in Colorado where we go, um, seeing is not necessarily 
the most helpful. It's just some of the tree cover is so thick. So a lot of times we'll try to get to those glassing spots before sunup kind of thing or be watching them at sundown if we aren't already tracking something. And, you know, we'll watch, we'll watch the one side or both sides if possible. And if we don't see anything on either, either spot, you know, usually you'll give it a day or two or whatever. If you don't see any fresh sign, we'll pack up and move. If we're seeing sign, maybe we saw some elk or better yet heard them, then we'll, we'll leave camp and keep going. But if, if we're going into a spot and we get to where we are going to drop camp, we'll probably drop camp, hunt it for a few hours or go explore a little bit. If we're not seeing anything, we're not hearing anything, there's no fresh sign, we'll probably grab camp and keep going. Or maybe we'll give it a day usually and then if you have a very experienced caller or a very seasoned veteran caller can you tell a difference between another group of hunters versus an actual elk you know sometimes you probably don't even have to be that experienced there are some people that that's what i mean if, if, if you get somebody that knows what the hell they're doing and they're not doing it repetitively they're doing a, a simple bugle can you you personally if you're up if you're you know packing up your tent and you hear a bugle can you tell you have a pretty good idea of what okay a that's a person and i'm gonna go the other way or b that's an elk you know there's a lot of times and i don't have nearly enough experience to really answer this question but there's a lot of times where there's a lot of people that would be able to call in even very experienced hunters i mean there are some guys that it's no different than duck calls or anything like that like if you do it enough you could call in some some of the best hunters in the world i bet um there's definitely times where you hear it and you're like there's no way and i haven't had this experience to be able to say it but a lot of people have said like some of the biggest elk they've seen you would have assumed that that was a person that didn't sound anything like what an elk was supposed to sound like so um, I don't think I have the experience or the time in to be able to answer that. There are, there was definitely some times where, um, especially because we had seen people in the direction or going in the direction, and then later on heard calls from that area that were like, "That's got to be those guys." There's no way that was an elk, but you know, you never know. So I got one more question. Actually, well, it's kind of a two-part question, and then. I'd like to get into what your plan of attack is. Okay. G- granted, your game plan, you're, you're never going to go with your first game plan. It's always going to change. But what is your game plan going in? That's my second question. My first question is a two-part question. Uh, number one, how often is it that you run into people when you're that far back in there? When you're, you know, you're, you're back in there and you're camping and then you're going to keep going back in. And the second part to that is how far back in there are you when you finally turn around and head back to the truck? So, um, as far as seeing people, um, where we were at, we would take trails for a part of the way and we'd see people at the trailhead. Obviously, um, we would see people hiking the trail. Sometimes it was people not even hunting. And then, uh, the farther you go in, you definitely start to lose people. And then once you once we popped off the trails, we never saw anybody when we were off a trail. Uh, we could hear people, I think, but definitely pretty far away. Um, 
there were we ran into one camp that it was a group of three guys that had camped right off the trail. Otherwise, you know, you can the farther you go, obviously, the less people you're gonna run. It's it's there's so much area out there that it's you'd think you'd run into a lot of people, but we didn't seem to have that problem. Um, some areas were more congested than others. You could just tell by the parking lots. Uh, even even in those spots, once we started going in there, it was it was. You'd think you'd run into people, and you just never do. Um, if we're running into a lot of people, we're out of there. We're not. We weren't good enough to be able to compete with people and elk. The elk were enough challenge for us. Um, so, how far back would you say? Uh, like when you do get away from people and you don't find them, what what is your? We were. I don't. Know, I would say probably by three or four miles, we had left most people. Um, we were in a good five to six miles, but we were pretty limited on having to go back to the vehicle to camp where this year we are not going to have that. And one of the spots that I have marked is probably 10 or 11 miles in, which will be a pretty large portion of the day, just hiking. And then if you get one, you're probably two days in, in just getting it out. But, um, Last year we were limited to about, we could do about five or so, five or six miles, and that was kind of our range. Uh, going into it this year, it's it's going to be pretty wide open. I would say we're probably not going to go past 10 to 15, but I don't know. I don't want to limit it either. It's, it's a long ways when you're going up and down and, and no, stuff No, for like sure. That. So before we get into your tactics, how uh... – is this tag like a just an over the counter? Yep, we did over the counter last year. We will do over the counter again this year. And what's the what's the price point it on that for somebody looking in? Roughly seven fifty. Um, so it's somewhere in that ballpark. Colorado is the was the cheapest elk tag for a non-resident that I could find. Compared to the rest of the U.S. Like what's another what's another state? Uh, Montana you... was around a thousand dollars. Idaho was I want to say around nine hundred dollars. Um, Wyoming wasn't. I think that was in that eight to nine hundred. Most of them are between eight eight hundred and a thousand. Aside from some of the, um, well, even even the big name states like the Montana, New Mexico, Arizona, they were all about that, but your chances of drawing a tag get to be very limited. So, right. Um, you're looking at about seven, seven fifty for the tag. Um, I don't count food cause you got to eat either way. So unless I'm eating out, I'll plan a little bit for that fuel. I mean, you can, you'll have to just do the math where you're coming from. I think we spent 500 ish dollars on fuel last year. Um, did you drag the glacier with you last year? No, I didn't have it. Oh, we, right. We right. pulled. We just pulled a, I don't know, twelve or fourteen foot enclosed trailer for gear. Oh, so you were you were still pulling something? Yeah, yeah. We we pulled something. It, it maybe have been a little bit more than that. Maybe it was closer to eight hundred dollars. I don't remember exactly. I want to say I we split it and it was like, it was under three hundred dollars for fuel. So it's really not that bad. I mean, you can do this for relatively a small amount of money. I would say if you had 
you know, gear dependent. If you have to go out and buy all the gear, obviously you can get to be very expensive. But if you have the gear to do this, or at least most of it, you're probably looking at three grand. No, I was gonna say two. If you had two thousand bucks, you could probably pull this trip. So off. definitely with three. Yeah, yeah, you could buy some pretty nice gear and and the tag and everything and do that. Um, so now the uh, the fun part. What uh, what is your what is your and like we said you're you're never gonna follow your game plan your first game plan to a T. It's it's not gonna work out that way. But what is what is your game plan going into this? Are you, I mean, you, what what are you looking at as far as are you playing the weather at all? Are you playing the wind? Are you playing um, very much playing the wind? But step one is going to be maps. Um, obviously, I'm not going to be driving to Colorado to scout it by foot very many times. If that's an option, if you live closer to the place that you're going, uh, I would 100% do that because nothing beats scouting like looking with your own eyes um, i will spend a lot of time looking at onyx looking at google earth looking at um, the satellite imagery if you can go in like some of them you can look at past stuff i'll look at that and see if anything's changed or where there may have been a burn area whatever i can find um, the the google images like the street view you can actually get it to be a street view in the mountains too you can use that to kind of like the 3d view uh look for water sources rivers saddles in the mountain meadows uh places that i could potentially get good vantage points for glassing um, anything that you're going to look for through through scouting kind of stuff uh, try to find those areas try to find areas where you you know you would think that elk would be uh, that's going to be your first step. Uh, next would be getting there. We're going to get in. I will. A lot of times I'll pick my favorite spots or what I think are going to be my favorite spots. We may cross those out very quickly when we get there and see what they are, but I'm going to try to get high and get a good vantage, see what, actually see what we're working with. Uh, if it's a place that you have been before, don't assume that there were elk there last year. They're going to be there again this year. So looking for fresh sign, you know, if there's no tracks, there's no elk, leave a lot of poop behind. We found that out. If it's just a bunch of white poop, probably not there anymore. Um, looking for rubs, stuff like that. If we can, if we can find that, we'll, we'll keep hunting it. If we can't find anything, we're probably moving on. And then the, one of the biggest reasons I got into elk hunting or wanted to is the calling. So we're, uh, we're sending out a lot of calls, um, letting the animals more or less tell us where they are if we can. Also, it's just fun. Like you don't necessarily need to call to hunt elk, but it's what got me into elk hunting. So it's going to be my number one tactic is we're going to walk around. We're going to get high and we're going to call and let the animals tell us where they are. Um, short of that or, or past that, let's, let's assume that we've seen them at the very least. We will, if they're close, we'll try to make a play. It's no different than deer hunting. Get the wind in your favor and put the sneaks on. Um, if they're far off, we'll probably watch them, see where they're going, where maybe where they're coming from, depending on the time of day. 
and uh, that'll be it'll put you in a good give you a good game plan. If you can, if they're coming to a meadow, you could always try you could try to set up on that meadow if it's somewhere where you think you can get good wind and everything. You try to set up there the next day and see if they'll come back. They tend to be more of a creature of habit. Um, if they're going into a bedding area that you think you could get into or or they there's a group of them and they all go into the trees at the same spot, maybe try to get uh, a, get set up somewhere in that spot. Like a lot of times they'll, they'll come from one side, come into a meadow, go out the other side using the same, same areas. So that would be a good spot. Um, if one of the, you know, in an ideal world, we would get up in the morning, we'd find elk in a meadow, we'd see where they go, we'd get the wind right, get above them, call to them, they'd call back, and we kind of make a play from there. That's strategy number one. Are you guys always together, or is there um, is there some some uh, instances where, okay, James is going to stay up top, I'm going to drop in, and I'm not going to be able to hear him or talk to him at all. I'm going to be able to see him, and he's going to be able to tell me. We did stuff like that. We didn't. We never really got too far away, but we would definitely split up. Like you go high, I'll go low. Uh, we'll kind of just slowly wake make our way through. I was trying to keep in visual contact because last year, you know, first time out, new area, both new to this thing, trying not to, you know, trying to make it home was uh, one of the big, one of the big keys. But yeah, we'll definitely try to cover some ground as we, especially if we, we know where they're, or we have an idea of where they're at, um, cover it's just, the more you double your chances at it getting close enough to one of you if you can split up so so my last my last question that i kind of saved for the end and then we got to do your tip of the week um what are you running for glass i run vortex i have the a set of viper binoculars and a set of razor there okay well the binoculars are 10 by 50s and then i have a razor uh, what is it? 16 to 48, I believe, uh, spotting scope. So, uh, honestly, where we were in Colorado, I didn't even bring the spotting scope. There was, of course, one, the one time I didn't bring it on that trip, I could have used it, but all the rest of the times that I brought it, I didn't need it. The, the tree cover and the vegetation makes it so so much and we were not being picky we were not looking for big six points it was is that an elk yes it is all right well if it's illegal we're taking it you know it was as long as it was a legal bull or a legal elk we were we were letting them fly so and that's going to be the same excuse me the same way again this year is if it's a legal animal we're we're gonna take a shot and a little spoiler alert we are going to have at least one camera with yes. that crew and we're going to we're as we said we're a couple weeks early on this one but we are going to do a follow-up podcast hopefully get james on for that and um yeah we're gonna we're gonna hopefully shoot some videos maybe get a youtube even even if it's not a successful hunt 
getting a YouTube video up of setting up camp, uh, kind of talking through what you're what you're doing. You know, we're 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 hoping to get some some good content for you guys out of this, and hopefully bring bring at least one one elk back. That would be cool. Uh, I think the the success on this trip again is going to be. Can we find them? That'll that I'll count if we can find them. That'll be a win again. Um, you know, in a way, it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like fishing in a way where where if you can you know or fishing if you're out fishing and you're marking fish and you catch a couple no. little ones. Nah. But out here, if it, when you're out there, just being out there and finding them is a small victory in yeah. itself. Yeah. That's why I was comparing it to fishing, where when you're out fishing and you find something. Nah, I gotta catch fish. <laughs> well, that's why I said you got to catch small ones. Mm. Catch something. Catch something. Mm. Okay, it's it's not even comparable to fishing. I was just trying to trying to kind of tie them together. <laughs> I see where you're going with it, but I no, need to catch I, fish. I, I appreciate you calling me out on that because it's not even comparable. It kind of is though. Depends on what what aspects you look at it as. All right, what's your what's your tip of the week? If you haven't done it and you're thinking about doing it. You got to just do it. Um, I I don't want to say I would recommend going by yourself, but if you do, uh, do it safely. But don't don't wait. I put it off a few more years than I should have because after doing it once, my first thought was, I wish I had done this a couple years ago. I mean, it's. All the information that you could ever want is on the internet. Uh, Go Hunt is an unbelievable resource that it's, I don't like paying for stuff. Like, you know, you could find anything on the internet for free these days, but that's definitely a site that I have a sub- subscription to. Um, Go Hunt, or uh, excuse me, Onyx is another one. I don't like paying for stuff, but Onyx is, uh, it's a tool. It's almost a must-have. It's one of the only must-have tools other than the weapon of choice that I would say you're going to need for these trips. Um, <laughs> well, even, you know, I can only imagine how much Onyx helps out there. Oh, but God. even even around here, it's, it's. I mean, you, you kind of, you got to have it. Yeah, I mean, you got to know where you're at. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then use social media. Every, there's millions of hunters um if you want to go and you don't want to go by yourself you could probably find someone to go with you you meet someone out there there's got to be a, there's got to be like a facebook group like I'm farmers sure only for yeah. for elk hunting uh, i don't know about that but um you don't you don't necessarily you're not don't be limited by the people that you know or that are in your town or your state there's probably I feel like you're someone, taking a shot at me no there's, I, I did the same I, thing. I, I, I will I will go. I will be going with you at some point. It yeah. might be a few years, but I will go. I didn't go for a couple years because I didn't have anybody to go with. And everybody that I knew, you know, everybody wants to go. but Bunch of flatlanders. Yeah. Everybody wants to go, but when you get into the actual I will. You, you setting can, the dates. You, you okay. can quote well, this episode, episode 68. I have dates. I have tentative dates for out west. I will give you as soon as we're done here. I am the, I am going with you out there this year. I'm yep. saying Colorado for elk, whether I have a tag or not. I think you should. Most likely, I'll just be with you, but I yeah, will you get out there and then well, that's I'll what, be buying one that year. tag, and it'll be. I mean, well, if I don't get it, you know, something's gonna come around. 
well, you know, I'm just saying I will go out there. I am going out west this year for mule deer. This will be the year that the first sit I have in my tree stand, I will drop a deer. And then yeah. I, then I'm still coming. Either, I'm still so. going either way. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't, there's, there's too many resources to be at your disposal to not go anymore. So make the leap, go out, get the tag. You know, once you, if, if it's not for you, it's not for you, but you got to try you, it. You'll know right away. <laughs> yeah. You'll know pretty quickly. You'll know on the hike up <laughs> when you're staring at the bot at the mountain and you go, I have to get up there. You'll know, but it's not it's not that, as bad as you think. That's where our, our YouTube video that we'll get from this elk hunt will will yeah. uh, we'll we'll make sure we get some angle shots of yeah. of what we're what, what the guys it's are more climbing. Steep than you think. <laughs> yeah, the video won't do it justice. Yeah. So that's gonna bring us to our questions. Do you have one or do you want me to go first? You gotta go. Okay. What is and this is not elk specific it is any species what is the farthest shot that you are comfortable and again this is a circumstantial question but on a on a good day a calm day wind is not an issue what is the farthest shot with your bow that you are comfortable taking on an animal i'm gonna try my hardest to keep it to 60 and less would i would i go longer potentially if i have an elk at 70 broadside not moving no wind and it has no idea i'm there i'm probably taking that shot too um you know same shot on a deer maybe not you know and then if you have any sort of you know now the wind starts to pick up at 70 probably not uh it's quartering away or quartering two at 70 probably not but if i can if i can get within 60 with a good shot i'm it's probably a shot that i'm taking Minus 50. And even at 50, it, it has to be absolute perfect conditions where they have no idea that I'm even there. Mm-hmm. And, and and 50 is even probably a stretch. I would probably, for sure, 40. 40 and under. But, but 50, if it's absolutely perfect and they have no idea that I'm there. I have absolutely nothing rattling around my brain for a question right now. You got to so. pick one. It's totally random. Come on, man. You've been here before. What? Yeah. If you could go to any sporting event, what would it be? That's easy. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Game seven of actually not. They don't all go to game seven, but a, a, an elimination game on the Stanley Cup Finals. That would be a good one. Preferably when the Wild are playing, but well, we'll, that, we'll get there. We'll see if that ever. We still got the Parisian suitor contract buyouts that we're dealing with, so it'll be a few years. I'm kind of thinking World Cup of Soccer final. The FIFA. Yeah. Really? Not because I'm a soccer fan, but I think the look at <laughs> she's like what? <laughs> we're we're uh, we're calling out Kate. There. She's over there. She just kind of turned around and like gave like a really confused. I feel like look. the atmosphere at something like that would be unmatched anywhere else. Dude, it's... even like some of the the videos that you see of them like in regular season play, like they're just they're a different breed. Yeah, I don't know. I think that'd be. I wouldn't go to it for the sports. I would go to it for the atmosphere. Were you gonna say the Stanley Cup Finals? Because when I first said that, you were like, uh, uh, man. No, I wasn't. But when you said it, I, would have, I was, oh, that's a good second. That would have, or that's a good, that would have been a good choice. That's fair. 
The Super Bowl would also Super be fun. Bowl is yeah. Kind of one, <laughs> well, you you uh, you got anything to close out with? That was that was good. I mean, we that was, and we didn't even cover everything that we could have covered. Yeah, hopefully it was helpful and I didn't ramble too much. But I wish I could remember uh, that, that ex- was specifics as, better. But, you know. <laughs> that that was like as close to a solo episode that we've ever done. Um, maybe maybe someday we'll venture off into that where we'll do just a complete solo episode. But I think I think that went uh, went pretty good. It, that that I mean that, that I still have questions that I could ask, and it's not we're just gonna we're yeah, just we, gonna we probably could have um, prepped it a little better with. Maybe some notes on a solo one, but... You know. We don't usually do that. We don't script anything. We just kind of go with it. kind of told me that I was doing that tonight, so I thought it went okay. Actually, like 10 minutes before we yeah. started, I think. Yeah, so. pretty much. I thought it went okay. So, yeah, um, you got anything to close with? No. Uh, you're you're looking at, what, two, by the time this airs, one to two weeks before seasons start opening up. So, at this point, I would say I hope you have your stuff ready to go and hope you're sighted in. Most people will probably not be starting for another month or so, but you know, we're we're pretty much here at this point. It's it's time to it's go time. I'm excited. I gotta get my uh, my trail cameras out and get get rolling on making sure stands are ready to go. I don't take my stands down because I'm superstitious about it. Where I think that if they see it there, they're used to it. I would agree. And we're just gonna kind of kind of go with that. I do wanna. I got to go get one other stand that's still currently set up on a different property that I'm going to get and bring out there and set up and maybe trim a couple shooting lanes. But other than that, uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm excited to go. Yeah, it's here. Go sit out in a tree. So, well, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you leave a, a review wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. Any feedback is good feedback, even if you want to give us one star. If you listen this late or this long, um you're probably not going to give us one star or you're like grant and you play the podcast when you go to work we'll take it but hey a listen's a listen so uh thanks for tuning in and until next time we'll get back to you